Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Okay, so we want to make it a little bit warmer this morning to make it feel like Hawaii. So you're welcome. Um, so if you're new to Branches, uh, this is going to freak you out a little bit, but this is what we do. If you're from Branches, you're like, oh, I can't wait to see everyone's petrified face. But um, when I first came in, I looked, and you know, the, we, there's only a few people that actually show up on time, Hawaii style. And so they're kind of scattered, and everyone's in their zone. Like, I got my zone, I got my zone, I got my zone. And then we get to this. So I don't know if you're just taking that space because you know what's coming, but we're going to break you up into groups. That's what we do, because we don't want you to come in here and not be uh, affected, but also we want to ask real questions. So this is the question for this morning, because it goes with the series that we're going through, um, through Acts, but we want you to be in the Word. We don't want you to come on a Sunday morning and go, oh, what are they going to tell me about God's Word? The plan is, is that you've been going through it all week, that you've been wrestling with it, not just reading it, but looking for tools or looking for online things, or maybe you bought a book that goes with the book of Acts, or you've got other people you're meeting with, and you're like, I have no idea what this means. Or you think you know what it means, and they argue with you, or whatever, but you're trying to figure out, because that's why we turn to God's word. We want to hear from him. We want to say, what do you want me to do? Just like the early church, like, well, what should we do? Well, that's why we look to God's word. So here's the question. Um, could you put it up for me, Johnny? I, I'm always bad at putting the question up beforehand, but here's the question. What, would, what kind of tools or what kind of discipline or what has been working for you to get into the Word of God? Because let's face it, honestly, some of you are like, uh-oh, I don't want to answer this question because I don't. Okay, let's just be honest about that right away. It's tough for most people because they're like, I'm not good at it. And who wants to do something they're not good at? But don't worry about that. It's not about being good. It's about showing up to God going, okay, I want to hear from you. I want to get better at this. So how do I look into God's Word? So let's not try to pretend like we got it all figured out. Agreed? Well, you know what I do is I open up my anchor dictionary and I pull it. No. Be honest, but what tools have actually worked for you, either outside or what kind of disciplines or what kind of groups of people help you to get into the Word together? Understand the question? And so in breaking into these groups, about three to five, and we have like the two-row challenge, which means try not to just go right to the person next to you. Hi, I'm glad you're in my group. Like try to stretch out and bring someone from two rows away or you go two rows. Okay? About five minutes. Do what you got to do. So, as a former youth minister, it's really important to me that the youth know that this is their community of faith, that this is church. Because what typically happens, especially in the past few decades, is that since youth ministry and youth groups have gotten so good that they have their own separate groups. So you've got junior highers, high schoolers, of course the children, they've got their own groups. Well, what happens is if they go through it, or if they enter it some period of time in high school, so maybe they don't start from the beginning and go through, but they just jump in at some point and someone invites them to youth group. They come to high school. And they're in this high school youth group. And then when they get out of high school, they've been separated for so long that, well, I don't go to church because my group doesn't exist anymore. I'm not in high school anymore. Oh, no, you go to big church. No, I don't. That's a weird place to be. Why would I go there? And so that's always bugged me. So when we first planted branches, we said, okay, let's just keep the high schoolers with us. And most of the high schoolers were like, nah, I'm not really so into that. You guys are boring. But 
I don't know if we got cooler or whatever, but they're semi-okay with it now. But the, um, the first Sunday of the month, we want the high schoolers in with us. So when they're in with us, high schoolers, try to make everyone else feel as uncomfortable as possible. Get in their face, get in their business. Hey, how are you doing? My name's blah, blah, blah. I'm in the 11th grade. Tell me about yourself. Like, just get right up in there. And then for all you old adults, an old adult is anyone over the age of 19, <laughs> those of you, you've got to reach out, okay? You've got, to, you've got to step over that boundary. As we talked about, there's a fine line between being a clique and being close. And so it's very important for us to know that other people want to be invited in, okay? So just so you know, high schoolers, the adults are petrified of you, okay? I know it doesn't seem that way, but they are. So use that to your advantage. Okay, so we're in Acts 1. We're going to continue on, but I told you last week that we were going to kind of quickly pause here at Acts 1.8, focus on that. But this morning, we want to answer a question. I want to try to clarify a question that we all have in our hearts and our minds. And that's sometimes the only reason we even go to anything that is church-related, um, is that we just want to connect with God. We want to have an experience with God. And this comes up all through Acts. You see God moving. You see these people hearing God, seeing God, following God, and we're like, well, that must be just for them. I had an experience, uh, I don't know if Gordon, who I had come and share a while ago, can you imagine how Hawaiian, how aloha it would have felt if Gordon was here at the same time as Joyce and the team? That was the plan, but we didn't think he could handle it. So things changed. Um, but when he, he was with me when we experienced this, we were in San Diego, and we were in college, and we went down to the beach near our college, the beach that I actually grew up surfing at, called Ocean Beach. And we're there at night, which is not very wise, but I'm from there, so I kind of knew where we could be safe. And so we're down there, and we're all talking. We, we were going to go jump off the pier, <laughs> and we went out there, and some people, oh, that's a dumb idea. So no one wanted to do it, so we came back in. And as we're talking, we're in this circle in the parking lot, which is actually one of the dangerous places, and this lady all of a sudden just pops up next to us. And she starts, I don't know where she was from. I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to say where I think she was from. Maybe the accent will give you a clue or confuse you. But she's like, have you been blessed with the Holy Spirit? And we're all there like, whoa, whoa, where did this lady come from? But as she talked, there was something different. Now, she was very unique, very different. In fact, people would think she was crazy because she had an overcoat on. She had the most obvious wig that you could imagine on. Like you knew, okay, that doesn't fit. And yet, don't let appearances get in the way. This woman, in fact, when she left, Gordon kept saying, man, I, I, I think she was an angel. So we went going looking for her just so we could tell Gordon, no, she's not an angel, she's a real person. Because the things that she was saying were so right on. But she offered this to us. She said, have you been anointed by the Holy Spirit? I was like, oh, this is when it gets weird. Because anytime you hear the word Holy Spirit, and especially when you see a lady with a wig that's turned to the side and she's got the overcoat and she had this crazy looking bag and not wearing shoes, you're like, what's gonna happen here? Like I know that there's beauty coming out of your mouth, but then you just got all weird on me because you said the word Holy Spirit. But you know what I wanted? 
I wanted whatever it took to be connected with God. I'm saying, I, whatever it takes. You got to do some special hoobie-jujubie, then I'll do it. it. It's freaking me out a little bit, but I want more of God. I want, I want more of his presence. I want more of that reality. I want to be able to see clearly. I want to see him. I want to hear from him, and I want to be used by him. And I just don't feel like I have whatever it is you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Like if I offered that right now, hey, we're going to slip into that closet back there later, and whoever wants to have, and it just lays on you, you're like, uh, I don't know. Is this like an aloha thing? Because this has never happened to branches before. Can't. But there'd be that thing within you, like, but if God's spirit were to just fall fresh on me, I'll do whatever. It's like when you're really, really sick, you'll do whatever it takes to get healthy. Whatever it takes. And i just give you the heads up. There's no hoobie-jubie that can be done, okay? Even with Cleopatra. Did I even say her name? That was her name. Talk about, that just adds to the, the whole <laughs> scene, doesn't it? Not Cleo, Cleopatra. Um, she didn't even offer to do that. But no one talks about the Holy Spirit because it freaks us out. But we're here in Acts. We go from Acts 1 to Acts 8, and the Holy Spirit's already mentioned four times. We can't ignore this. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Now, I'm going to give it my best attempt, but there's no way this Sunday alone is going to communicate all that the Holy Spirit is. And one, I'm not qualified enough. I don't know anyone that is. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to dive into this. We're going to open it up. But over the next few weeks, because the Holy Spirit just keeps showing up, we're going to talk about God moving and what the Holy Spirit does, okay? So let's get started here. First thing you need to know is that when you interact with God, if you've had an experience with God, you have not had it with the Father, you have not had it with Jesus. You've had it with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, just take the, just take the holy part of it and just say the Spirit of God. Okay, God is in three parts, but yet he's one. We're not gonna delve too deep into that this morning because it'll, and I, there's no one that I've heard that's ever described it perfectly. However, you don't interact with the Father. As I've shared before, as I told my kids in a very inappropriate way, if you were to see the Father right now in the flesh, you die. So you have not interacted with God the Father. Not directly. Because even Moses was like, hey, can I? Mm, no, that's not gonna happen. Hey, Elijah, hey, can I? Mm, no, how about you just see my back as I'm walking away? Because you can't handle it. So that's not going to happen with the Father. Now, with Jesus himself, we got, we, got, we got kind of shortchanged. Wrong time, wrong place, okay? Jesus came at a particular time in the flesh. He still exists, but when he came down in the flesh, that was a long time ago. We weren't there. I don't know why he chose that time and that place, but obviously we're not in that time and we're not in that place. But... You are not left as orphans. And here in Acts, we see that these people are in a situation where Jesus says, and now I'm going. Now, there, was, there had to be that fear that we talked about last week, that anxiety. But yet, when he talks about this promise, you will receive power. As we shared last week, the, this dynamite. When you receive this and the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And just prior to this, he says, don't leave Jerusalem, this dangerous place where just 50 days ago they tried to kill me. 
But stay here. I have a gift for you. And this gift is the Spirit of God. But they've already been taught on this. These disciples, this early church, they'd already been taught because Jesus didn't want to just hit them with them last minute. Hey, you know what? I forgot. You know the three and a half years we were rolling? I forgot to mention this, the Holy Spirit. No, he mentioned it. He taught them on it. So we're going to look at a little bit of that so we know some of the background that's leading up here, okay? So here we are in John 16. So there's so much, there was so much to cover, but I'm just going to highlight a few places where Jesus is teaching about the Spirit of God so that we can understand, we can listen in as he's describing it to the early followers, the early disciples. So here we see in John 16, 7, he says this, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, some of your translations are going to give different words. We'll get to that in a second. Unless I go away, the advocate, the spirit, the comforter, the paraclete will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Some of your translations will say helper. So this is important to understand. This word, the word that's there that everyone keeps trying to translate another one in there for, it's, it's called paraclete. But Jesus described himself as the paraclete at one point. So what he's saying is, is just as I come alongside you, that's what it means, to come alongside. Just as I have come alongside you, you need me to go. So when the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of God, the other paraclete, he's going to be with you always. Because you know what? Jesus wasn't with them every second of every day. Now that I say that out loud, I wonder, you know how you're with someone that you just really love being around, but you're with them all the time and eventually they get on your nerves. Do you think Jesus ever got on their nerves? Like, oh my gosh, I need some space. I don't know. That's just something for you to think about. Maybe that'll be your question next week. But this helper comes right in. He says, I need to go so the helper can come. I don't know the the dynamics, the physics of that, but Jesus was trying to teach them that I'm going to go, and they got scared. He's like, no, no, it's good that I go. So translation-wise, I want to, there's, there's a translation we talked about, tools you can use. Sometimes you're trying to read the Word of God, and you're like, I don't know what this means. Okay, there are so many translations that are online that you can always access. There's one I really like to go, it's called the Amplified Bible. Now, I'm warning you ahead of time that when I teach this morning, I'm going to do a lot of word study. But the Amplified Bible does a lot of that for you. It'll take certain words, it'll put them into parentheses and describe it. Describe it so you can understand. What does that word mean? So I'm gonna now show you the Amplified version. However, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, which is another way, like profitable. What does that mean that it's profitable? Does that mean I'm gonna get rich? No, this is what it means. It means it's good, it's expedient, it's advantageous for you that I go away because if I do not go away, the comforter, and then you see there in the parentheses, the counselor. Another way to describe the comforter is the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby. That is who the Spirit of God is. And Jesus is saying, just as I am the paraclete and I'm leaving, as I've been a comforter, a counselor, a helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, a guide, as I've been that to you, the Holy Spirit will be with you now. 
And he's talking to his disciples who have made the decision to follow him. They don't have all the answers. They don't have it all figured out. But they know if they stay close to him, then everything's going to be fine. And he's saying the spirit is going to come now. I like what it says in one language because, you know, you're trying to translate this. And so in, in one um, Central Africa language, that word helper, they have a word that they place in there when they translate the Bible for them. But that word for them, that word helper, means this. It's one who falls down beside another. Because, you know, if someone falls, you, you know, you've seen that? When someone's walking, like, oh, you know, whether you're out somewhere or whatever, and everyone's like, no. And then there's that one person that's just like, like slides in on the ground because they, you can't just go, hey, are you okay? What's up? Like you want someone that's gonna get right down there to you, right? And that's what God, that's, that's how this one community describes the spirit of God, the paraclete. Now this gets, it gets really hard to describe. And I, I made an attempt, Ash, I don't know if you remember this time, but it was at Shoreline and I was teaching on the Holy Spirit. And... Um, the, the word spirit means, and so in the Old Testament, it's, um, and in the New Testament, they have different words, ruach for one, and then pneuma for another, but one is, it focuses on the breath of God, and now I look over here, all my Hawaiian friends, like when, when we renewed our vows in Hawaii, my Hawaiian friends said, you have to do the honey. I'm like, the what? So if I mess this up, someone fix it for me. But we, Steph and I, when we renewed our vows, we did a honey where our breath, we got right up nose to share breath. And so as the Old Testament is trying to describe what the Spirit of God is like, this Spirit that hovers over the waters, as it says here in Genesis, that, this Spirit is like the breath, or it's like the wind. The wind that you don't know where it's coming from, you don't know where it's going, you can't describe it really, but you can see the effects of it. And so that's how the Bible describes the Spirit of God. Not with flesh on like Jesus, but this, like this wind or this breath, but yet it resides within us. So I'm trying to describe this, and I did not do that. This, so I, I was talking to one of our staff, and I said, hey, I need some fans. Because as I'm describing this, I want them to have the tactile sense of, of what we're talking about. And so they got these fans. But they were the tall, thin ones. I've never bought those because that Sunday when we brought them in, the, the wind went about that far, like that far from the end of it. And the thing was, I said, I want everyone to just, during this time of worship, anytime, come on up and just feel the wind on you. It wasn't the wind. It was like, and so it was just this, oh, I still have the dumb chills thinking about it. People coming up going. So trying to describe the spirit of God as the wind or the breath of God is so difficult. But you know what I'm talking about, right? When the wind is just moving. And sometimes it is like a, like a whisper. But sometimes it's like a storm. Because God chooses how he's going to present himself. So the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Jesus didn't say, I'm going away, so I'm going to create this thing called the spirit. No, the spirit of God has been there from the beginning. Because the spirit is God. And the spirit, this wind, it blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You can't control God. You can't, but yet, 
as the Bible clearly says, the Spirit of God comes to live within us. As we talked about in, in, our, in our verse that gives us our name, branches. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He uses a different analogy to try to describe the Spirit of God. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So this abiding, it's, it's, like, that, it's like that honey. It's like being shared. Like, if you stay close to me, I will reside in you. And this spirit of God that is like a wedding ring that seals us to let us know that we belong to him, it's always present. Whether you know it or not. Last week, I was going to do it again, but I, I figured I could explain it to you and not have to do it again. I, I had this glass of milk, and I took some of that Hershey stuff, and I said, it's like us. Like, this is us. We are milk. And yet, when you make the decision to say, Lord, I surrender to you, I accept that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, who is, who is God with skin on, and I want to surrender to that, whatever that looks like, because I know in my heart that's where I'm supposed to be. I don't know how to do that, but that's where I'm going. And as you make that decision, then it says we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so it's like pouring that chocolate in. And so all, and if you've done this before, and you've all been kids, you've all found a way to hijack the Hershey chocolate or even the powder or whatever, but as you pour in the syrup, it comes in and it just sits on the bottom, right? And so you may be going, I don't see the Spirit of God. I don't feel the Spirit of God. I don't know what's happening. That doesn't mean the Spirit of God's not there. But as you get shaken up or stirred, as you move into life and trust that the Spirit is going to move and that God's going to step in, then all of a sudden, this stuff gets all mixed up into our life. And so my daughter last week saw, and she's like, what's up with the milk? All she really cared about was the chocolate, I think. But as she saw it, she's like, wait, what's going on here? What were you trying to describe? I'm like, yeah, I was trying to describe the Holy Spirit. She's like, no, 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 that's not good enough. And so she bothered me the entire day to explain it. I know, not a good dad. But at one point, I sat down there and I explained it, and I explained it just like I did right now. And she's like, hmm, you know it tastes better, too. Did you tell him that? (laughs) Yes, I did, just now. I didn't share that last week. But the Spirit of God, this wind, this chocolate syrup, however you want to describe it, it guides us, it pushes us. Sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't. That doesn't change the presence of the Spirit of God. And I'll get into that here in a second. But there's another thing that the Spirit does that I, I think is really important for us to describe. Because you want to recognize. Because Here's my goal this morning. I want to push us to not worry so much about knowing about the Holy Spirit. The goal is for us to know personally, the Spirit of God, to know that, to be able to recognize God's movement, to hear God when he's speaking to you, when he's guiding you, or when you're in the presence of others, which, by the way, is when I see the Holy Spirit shows up the most, most most apparent, is when we're with others. But the goal is not to know about it. Well, I know this fact, and I know that fact, and I can look here in Genesis, and I can look in John. What good is that? That wasn't Jesus' intention. His intention was to say the paraclete is going to come next to you. And he said in John 15, will come to reside in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Just, well, I know about Jesus. No, I want him here now. And Jesus said, you, you will. Because I go, now you have the spirit of God with you. And so this spirit of God, though, when it's in you, stuff goes down. Here in John 16, 8, as he's describing, Jesus is describing this Holy Spirit, he says, 
when this paraclete, when this helper comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Notice I highlighted that word convict. Now that can mean all kinds of things to us in English. Here we go again, now some more word study. But in John 3.20, so John 16a is where we are now, John, who also wrote John 3.20, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he describes this word, convict, he uses it again, but it's translated differently by us. It's the same word, but we look at it differently. So I want to make sure that when we say, when he comes, he will convict, what does that mean? It means this. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. That word is the same word as convict that's used just earlier here in John 16, which means when the Spirit of God is in you, it will expose the way things really are. Isn't that what we want? You know when you get all confused, you're like, I don't understand, how does it, what's going to happen here? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I turn right? Should I turn left? And sometimes God's going to give you the answer and sometimes he's not. But when the Holy Spirit steps in, then the truth comes out. Things are exposed. And sometimes it's something you don't want exposed, but sometimes it's an answer. That's where we get the word inspiration from. So when we're like trying to prepare these messages or when the worship team is wrestling through the songs, we're like, God, give me direction, which is another way to say, give me inspiration. Well, that word inspiration comes from that same word, pneuma, breath, right? To inspire means to breathe breath into. And so this inspiration is God guiding you. Not every time you have inspiration, as we say in English, doesn't mean God's presence was there. But that God does inspire us. He breathes into us and gives us direction. He exposes what the truth is. And that's really a scary thing for us to want, Right? Like, um, in fact, this is beautiful because my son's here and his buddy was just here. I think he had to go to practice. But they came to our house and TP'd our house, okay? It's dark. And when they came up, they didn't just walk down the street, did they? Because the lights are there. So they're like hovering in the darkness because they don't want to get exposed as they come in to do what they're going to do. And we know in our own lives there's things we just don't want to bring to the light because, oh, I just don't want to deal with that because of the consequences that may come from it. And so I was doing a wedding last week, and we were talking about this idea of, of bringing things to light. And so I gave advice to the couple, but I also gave it to everyone that was there. So it's almost like you're at that wedding right now. And I said, this is something that I want to do weekly, and I was told to do weekly, but it's so hard. But I gave them advice to do the best you can to do it often, to have a rhythm of doing this. Two questions that you ask your spouse, this idea, and when you do it, you're bringing light to the relationship. And some of those things, do you really want them to come out? Because you're asking, how did I love you this week? That's the first question. And how did I hurt you this week? You're like, oh, those are good questions. Except they're good questions for somebody else. Because when you're the one that's asking that question, it's like, oh. And so when I ask, how did I love you this week? What if there's no response back? And sometimes, most of the time, I already know the answer. I just don't want it brought to light. And then how did I hurt you? Ooh, that's even the worst one. And so I've got like a list that I know ways that I think, oh, I think I hurt her this way. And she may go, no, I can't think you didn't. I can't think of anything. I'm like, mm, really? Because I got a list of 10. You sure? But at any point when you bring something to light in that relationship, it's not like, well, it's worse now. Because you both knew it was there. And if something new comes to light, well, now you can deal with it. And so the Spirit of God 
exposes. It exposes relationships, exposes truth. And it's a scary thing, but it's the right thing. So amazing how quickly time is racing by right now as I'm trying to share this with you. Um, so I'm going to start to close it out the best that I know how. Here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. You can try to learn about the Holy Spirit, which is wise, which is why I took the time out to kind of start that process for us. But more importantly, you need to be expectant. You need to have your eyes open looking. But if you really want to see God move, then step out to where God would want you to be. The helper is also a guide. That word paraclete also means like to direct you. And so in this direction, as you let God put you in positions that you don't feel comfortable doing, you're going to see him show up. I was talking with my friend this week about this, and as I look out, I said, I'm not going to have predisposed names ready to go. I'm just going to look out, and I'm going to bring to light in some of your lives how we have seen God move. Because most of you right now, well, he's definitely going to call on me because I'm just ordinary. I'm plain. Yeah, you are. I'm a pastor, right? No. I'm just standing here in this position. It's not like I was born with that title. God qualified me for it. But I've never, including this morning and at this very minute, felt qualified or capable of doing any of this. But I trust that God is going to teach through me, that he will show up, that the steps I make, I trust him to step out. So, for example, Sarah. You're like, oh, gosh. I remember Sarah when she started working with the youth, and we'd ask her to do it. She goes, I'm not ready yet. And then she, she said no to me, but she said, someone, said yes to somebody else. And yet I hear these teens talking about how God has used her in their lives. But yet if you ask Sarah, she says, oh, I haven't done anything. You're right. You haven't. It's God working through you. That's the way this goes. That's the way this happens. Michelle Mayfield. I know. I love to see the faces around. You should all, in fact, I may point to them ahead of time. And then that way you can see the surprised look on their face. I've heard the people around you talk about the light that you bring to them, but you're like, no, I'm a mess here, and I don't, I don't have this figured out, and I don't know that. You're right. We all feel that way about ourselves, and yet God has used you in a powerful way. Some of you right now can't hear anything I'm saying because you're like, oh, please don't call me. Please don't call me. Don't worry. I'm not calling on you. Yeah, you got your head down, so now I got to call you, John. <laughs> John has showed up for years, just showing up to help set up, to help tear down, and yet I'll see, I'll see these young people start like hovering around Jody and John, and I'm thinking, are you guys that cool? But these young couples are like gravitating to them, people like Hayden and Hannah and other couples that have come because they just, they see God in their relationship and they're like, I want some of that. And yet if you ask them, like, well, we don't know what we're doing. In fact, we're scared that they're actually going to find out what's really going on in our marriage. God is in us like that chocolate, and when you stir it up, he comes out despite you. And the conversation I had this with was Eric. And I love talking about Eric, but I probably love talking more about Trish. I bragged about Trish all week long because she is a mom, and not just to her kids, but to so many other young teenagers. And I was sitting with my son, and I was talking about this gift that she has. And then we were talking about this boy, and I said, man, this guy needed someone. He needed someone when he was no one because of what was going on in his family. And I said, she has walked with him, and she said, no, that guy needs a mom. And so she just wrapped, he's like part of the family. 
And you'll see another guy here. He is not invisible. I'll just leave it at that. They've taken him in as well. And if you ask her, I'm just, I'm just, that is God's love moving through her. And so when we step back and think of this Holy Spirit in our lives, can you imagine if all of us just started living with that trust? If when, if I brought Cleopatra here, which I can't because I know she was so old that she'd passed away by now. But if she were here, if you were to all leave with that confidence that, okay, I know that the Spirit of God is within me because Jesus promised it. Cleo promised it. The Word of God has said, I've seen it in other people. What makes you think that you aren't qualified to be a vessel? You were created to be a vessel, a clay jar where God's Spirit would come in and do what he needs to do. And that's what happens through this whole thing of Acts. Because as we look at this early church, they received power and they were witnesses. They were knuckleheads, all of them. But they were witnesses because they just stepped forward and trusted that God would do stuff. And as we look at that, we're gonna see God moving. But that's one thing to see them moving there. As we talked about last week with the book of Acts, this book is still being written. It's the only book in the Bible that had, is not finished yet because it's the work. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit in people like us. And God intends for this church and other churches that claim Jesus as Lord to let that spirit move in us and for us to step out and just see what he's going to do. None of us are qualified, but God qualifies us. And don't you really want to see God move? There's no ritual that we're going to do. There's no special like, hey, I'm going to say the right words and the, the spirit of God is in you. Jesus promises it. He promises it for those that surrender to him. If you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. I could, I, in fact, next time, I may even do this next Sunday. We'll just see. I may just go through everyone, everyone that I know, and just talk about how we've seen the spirit of God move in you because he moves. We just have to have the courage to step out. And can you imagine what will happen in our community if we all step out trusting that God's gonna use us? So let's pray. Father, I wanna pray for us. I wanna ask that you would be honored in our worship, in our prayer time. Lord, as we take communion in remembrance of you, during this whole rest of this time, Lord, we just surrender to you to speak. And we know we can't control your spirit. We can't tell you when to speak and when not to speak. Just like the wind, you come when you feel like it and you leave and it's, it's up to you. You're the boss. But we hunger to see you, Lord. And give us the courage to step out so we can see you even more clearly. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.